Welcome to Business and Investing with Grant and Charlie, where we are enhancing your complete set of skills to build wealth inside and outside your business. And if you can see this on video, you'll see that one of Charlie's eyes slightly closed. That's because he didn't subscribe to the email and I punched him in the face. So if you haven't subscribed to the email, head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter, put in your name and email because that is the aftermath if you don't. Just saying. Hashtag no to violence. I'm joking. Obviously, I didn't punch him in the face, but get on the email. Let's cue your disclaimer. It's Charlie here from Business and Investing, and I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Business and Investing team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you personal or specific financial advice. We strongly encourage you seek out and use professionals when you are making investment decisions or comparing investment products. All right, Grant, thank you so much for drawing attention to my bung eye. I appreciate you. You, you are so welcome. <laughs> I can't feel or hear the sarcasm at all. It's just, so I keep thinking you're winking podcast. at me. Stop uh, winking at me. <laughs> well, I kind of am winking at you a little bit as well. But on the weekend, right, we recorded another podcast and my eye was much worse. It was much more swollen than it is now. And we actually wore sunglasses together on the podcast, right? You were there for me. You were like, I'm not going to let you one leave one. you alone. <laughs> I felt supported. I felt trust. I felt like our relationship had gone to a new level. And here we are only two days later and it's just like straight knee to the guts. <laughs> kick a man. So my rule is never kick a man when he's down. Just help him up. But then when he's back up and he looks like he's on his repair, just that's when you kick him down. <laughs> so you're looking good. You're looking a lot better and you're mending. So now I need to call it out. Thank you. And I do wonder how many people have their phone right now or are watching on their computer and like have zoomed it in and are like, wow, Charlie's eye does look absolutely messed up. And yes, Charlie is winking at you too. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. Uh, yes, I caught some germs from my toddler. And uh, actually, I shouldn't blame Jack. It's actually no, no, likely absolutely. the dirty places that Jack and I go hang out, which for anyone no. playing along at home is the public facilities where all the toddlers congregate and share germs. It's a, it's a cesspit. What can I say? Little bit is. For all the parents out there, they know what I'm talking about. For everyone that doesn't have kids, they're like, they don't get it yet. But you will one day if you do have children. One day. What are we talking about today? All right, so today's podcast, really important one, backing yourself, or more specifically, how so many business owners don't back themselves properly or fully, and it actually leads to, well, essentially them never achieving anything substantially. This non-backing themselves becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy on never achieving anything, and then they go, well, there you go, see, it didn't work. Oh, I hate those comments. It's like, it's never going to work. See, I told you it wasn't going to work. <laughs> Oh, man, they're the worst comments I've ever heard in my life. It, just, it infuriates me. Oh, well, it's the self-fulfilling prophecy. When, yeah, when totally. let's say, someone wants to achieve something, which, I mean, we're obsessed with golf at the moment, so let's make golf the example. All right, so let's say someone is like, oh, you know, I'd really love to be a professional golfer, right? And then they go into that with the idea of, like, not backing themselves properly, so they just practice once a month. Yep. In turn, through not practicing enough, they never end up or really showing any signs that they could be good at it. So then they develop the story to go, well, see, look, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it, but I'm not very good at it. And then they, because they look at that, then they further don't put anything into it and it just bleeds into themselves where they basically prove that it wasn't a good idea to become a professional golfer. Totally. The original dream gets crushed because they create an environment where they don't back themselves to become a professional golfer and put in what is required and in not getting a result, prove it wasn't enough and then justify that it was never for them, which is just so dangerous. And people do it. People do it all the time. Uh, I'm, I'm going to hit this. This is going to be a bad swing. This is going to be a bad swing. See, Charlie told it was going to be a bad swing. Uh, I'm not going to make this sale. I feel like I'm not going to make this sale. See, Charlie, I didn't make the sale. I knew I wasn't going to make the sale. And there's just so many different ways that just this just appears in people's lives. Do you, oh, can I, I'm going to bring it straight out of the gate. Do you know the one I see the most? Okay, okay, okay. Second business syndrome. It's that person. I'm looking at my document. That was like 70% of the way down. (laughs) I'm bringing it up now. 
Totally. For, so how many people do you know that are in a business that they don't like, that they're justifying for some sort of like financial remuneration or obligation, and then they hold onto that business, but really they want to be doing some other business, but they don't back themselves into the new business and they just stay in this void of like never putting enough in and backing the thing they want to be doing that could pull off and they end up yeah. distracted across two businesses. Because two, it's very difficult for two startup businesses to fail, Charlie, and it's very difficult for them to be successful, which means I'm never going to be a failure and I'll never look back at myself saying, well, I never succeeded. And I get to go to everybody and say, I've got two businesses, which then exudes my success upon other people as opposed to other metrics that might be more important to success. You're not saying that well, one from experience be, at all there, are you? This, this episode is going to go deep, dude, if we're already here <laughs> within a couple of minutes. <laughs> yes. I, I tell you what, though, it's like even in that example, right? We, so the startup example you just said, which I think is a great one, I could understand why, you know, startup failure is huge, right? I think it's a 90% failure rate in general for startups. So if you have two, right, are you, well, at least you're increasing your odds. It's like, you know, if you invest in two different properties, you know, one of them is likely to succeed maybe. And I have to say maybe because I can't give financial advice. But when it comes to business, you need to double down on the one, right? Having two doesn't make it any better. It's such a flawed logic. It's like, what do people try to say with diversification? Have like eggs in different baskets. And I just, I, the one I prefer is like trying to chase two rabbits at the same time and you'll just catch none as opposed to trying to catch one rabbit at one time and catch the rabbit. <laughs> but yes, I see this way too often, way too often. Oh, that's interesting. Very, very interesting. So, I mean, let's get into some stories. I'd love to like share some examples for us to get out of the gate here. How do you feel about that? All right, let's do it. All right, so Graham, when's a time you haven't backed yourself or when you've been dealing with the issues of like not uh, following through on that? Never. I'm perfect and I've never done this job. I just feel like you're going to relate to everyone yourself on this one. Okay, well then, that's just where we're at. <laughs> no. So one of the ones that I just always remember back to and it, it's actually been a really good grounding point for me because I've actually thought through this a lot. Uh, back when I had an SEO agency, um, I couldn't get results for a particular client. And I just, it like the client was upset, all these things. Like I just got emails, pings, everything. I just couldn't solve the campaign. And what happened was I essentially stopped trying to sell more services to other people because I felt as though I couldn't actually do the thing. And so instead of backing myself and going, this is a one-off situation, I just need to pull in more clients. I'm going to be successful 80% of the time and sure, things are going to fall through the cracks. I actually just went complete introvert mode and I just said, well, maybe I can't do this. I felt like I had imposter syndrome and I'm like, no, well, no one's going to want this. So I'd like, like have a sales call with you, Charlie, where I'm trying to convince you not to use my services. <laughs> it's like I would tell you every reason why not to go with me because I don't actually want you working with me because I don't think I can actually do the thing because that was just the way that I represented not backing myself because I was just – yeah, it's just easier for me to suggest to other people not to actually become clients. And then you never guess what I did next. I went and opened e-commerce stores, Charlie, because I felt as though maybe the reason was that I couldn't do it for other people. Maybe I can only do it for myself. And so then I went and started a second business and that <laughs> extrapolated the problem because it had two problems. And yes, infinite roll on from there. Oh, we have to Go unpack on. this. I'm, I was going to say, I'm like, I've we deliberately have left little nuggets for you, but yes. And again, there was no nothing in that story that's relatable to me, right, at all. <laughs> you did the same you're, thing once. You're an angel. <laughs> well, I mean, let's start at the start of that situation here where you've, you've come across a challenging client, you're doing this SEO campaign, and you were, you were unable to get results to them for whatever reason. Completely. All right, now- even though, just curiously at that time, had you been getting SEO results for anyone else? Yes. All right, how many? Uh, at that time, it would have been about six, maybe seven other accounts, and this was like the eighth account that wasn't doing well. Okay, so you had six or seven clients that were doing well and one that wasn't. Yep. And were these the, your first eight accounts or you done SEO and other things before that? No, these were primarily my first. Okay. So let I mean, I'm not going to be quick on the percentages here, but your strike rate on this is like you're like 85% successful? Yep, more or less. 
right, let's work with that. Okay, but because there's one account you weren't able to get result for out of this because of whatever difficulty was there, you've decided that, do you know what, I'm no good at SEO. Yeah, cause, and I started looking at the other accounts and justifying why they were going to go bad as well. So I'm like, oh, well, this one's going bad. The other ones are just going to get bad. Are they going to get worse? Then it was bad. It was not a good place. So, so yes. what did you think about the other accounts? That you just fluked it? That you were just yeah. lucky? No, it's, yeah, so I looked at them. I've just gone, no, they're built on sand now. Like this one was the first one to be toppled and like I couldn't solve it. And so the other ones would, it's just a matter of time until the other ones come through. It was, I was in a bad place. But yes, like that's what I was thinking. Okay, so this is, now we're not backing ourselves in our ability to do SEO here. And then the repercussion of that is that when you've had opportunities to get more clients, you've decided to like self-sabotage the sale so that you didn't have to go through failing on the SEO there. Yeah, and then I just, I promoted it to no one. I told like no one that I did SEO. Like I just basically became a hermit. Like I just like just reversed and just like looked in and that was like it. It was, okay, cool. How do I not put myself out there to disappoint other people? How can I just disappoint myself? Which is like build a business that doesn't rely on other people. It only relies on myself. E-commerce. <laughs> <laughs> it was, this is deep. Yeah, yes. Well, I just find it really fascinating, right? Because even with an 85% success rate here, that it was that one example, the one where you couldn't get results for, for whatever reason, the actual reason doesn't even matter. Completely. Right? But it turned into this whole idea where you sabotaged a business, didn't back yourself to run an SEO business and ultimately ended up starting other businesses. And did you keep the SEO business at the same time? Uh, I kept one large account that had like five different sites within it and that was about it because I could easily manage it. But no, it was the plan was to completely pivot away from it. But I'm going to put this in. Like at the time, everything I say now is upon reflection because I am aware of the situation and like the decisions I was making now <laughs> but at the time it was all completely logical and justified like i didn't really know that i was trying not to get clients i didn't really know that i was trying to like sabotage my sales process i didn't really know that the reason i was opening an e-commerce store was to like get me away from the problem <laughs> like it was just these things that my mind is just like this is logical grant yes let's go and step into here e-commerce stores they're profitable they seem to be the good thing that we can deliver on go and do that that sounds like a great idea in actual fact, it was just my mind going, eh, yep, you are not backing yourself. <laughs> yeah, well, this is what I think is so interesting about this conversation is like the, it seems so logical where we're in those yeah. zones. It doesn't show up as not backing yourself, yep. right? It's only in hindsight do we actually get to look at this very, very differently here. Totally. Like to, to go deeper than that, though, I'd love to know, why didn't you feel like you couldn't learn more SEO skills? or pay someone to teach you this, or bring in a contractor to help fix this account. Why was the whole ideation to get out of this business for you? Yeah, so I, I tried to fix it. Like I, I looked in and I was trying to solve it to the point of like I just sabotaged everything else, which is why I thought that the other accounts were going to get worse because I was paying more attention to this one account than them. So I'm like, so this thing was getting all the attention, um, which then just made me, to that point, like second question it. So I was like, well, I, I'm seeing as one of the smartest people at SEO, I should be able to solve this. No idea why I can't solve this. Uh, maybe I can't do it. And then it's like, well, instead of me trying to get, yeah, without going too technical, I thought it was more about like the age of the website and some problems that they had done before and I needed to be able to solve it. And then I forever thought that every client was going to be the same. And I'm like, well, how do I just solve that problem? It's just, you just go and make a new one. <laughs> and I'm like, well, the best way for me to make new ones is a new business. And that's, that's kind of the path I went down. Completely Dude, such a good example. That is such a good example. So bad. Dude, I, just, I, I know it's funny because as I'm saying it, I'm remembering sitting at the fucking chair in this office, looking out this window, just going, how am I going to solve this? And the whole team on a Skype chat and I'm just like, yeah, man, I remember the day. It was bad. <laughs> I, I just find that such an interesting example and I can relate heavily to it in what I was doing in the uh, ads business, right? Because ads are arguably more volatile than SEO. I can't say universally. I've not done enough SEO to say that is true. But I used to get really caught up in the idea that, you know, the results I'm getting on a campaign uh, are me, essentially the same thing. Like, you know, my self-worth and the performance of an ad account were entwined. 
Mm. When ad accounts are pumping, is like I could walk into any sales meeting and crush it. And when the uh, ad accounts aren't performing, is I would sabotage with the fear of that if I take on more accounts, we're going to extrapolate more of this result and my life's going to get dramatically worse. Now, the you know irony be in ads is you'd be following the same process week to week. Well, I was. I can't speak for other media buyers. But um, you realise very quickly that you're not the only one involved. Right, someone else yep. has got to make a decision with an ad. So, and a variety of things can happen. And there's really good examples of this. Is like you can run an ad campaign, but then it's a long weekend. Everyone's away, so no one's buying stuff in that example. And then yep. you could run it the next week; it could work perfectly well. Or you could run an ad campaign, and then it's also at a time when there's like a presidential election, and all the politicians are buying up all the ad uh, placements. This happens. It actually happens. Hard, yep. One of the hardest times ever to run ads was actually the uh, Donald Trump election because they were <laughs> spending so much money on ads that it was just not working in a way that it normally does. But it was reflection on your skills, Charlie. You were the Completely. one that's like, maybe I don't know how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, th- th- again, it's like we can see him pretty obviously in my examples. It was like, okay, we'll just run ads the next week. Not a yeah. big deal. But yet here I am created an environment where I'm seeing proof that, um, you know, in this case, the ad account isn't running well. So then I'm, you know, oh, I'm broken. Better destroy this business. <laughs> yep. What's the next one? <laughs> let's, let's move. Totally. Completely. And it's, and it's, it's one of those frustrating things because it's so obvious after the situation has passed when you can look back, right? Because what, a week, two or three later, to use your Trump example, and it might have been a month or two, right after the election is finished, like the ad account would have kind of come back, results started would have started coming back. And then your confidence and conviction when you're doing sales have started increasing again. And so it's so interesting how quick these things can come about and how quick they can be solved. And it's we're, we're such emotional human beings, <laughs> such emotional creatures that we can take the confidence from one week and just throw it in the trash the next day. Like you could be the greatest media buyer, the greatest SEO person today. And tomorrow you see something and a swing and a punch, you're like, no, I'm, I'm terrible. <laughs> like I just can't do this as if like the last five years of experience, 10 years of experience are irrelevant. Fundamentally believe that's why so many people burn out of media buying and agency world in general. But I'm sure this universally applies to a lot of uh, industries. But mm. I mean, the argument is, is like we should be concerned with the results our businesses produce, right? Like if you were legitimately created a poor product, you probably shouldn't sell it. But that distinction in the examples we've given is really important and hard to recognize. Very, very hard to recognize when they're particularly in marketing there. I want to shift this one of like backing yourself as well, because I know we've both got some interesting stories around this. We've kind of mentioned to the idea of like not backing yourself in your own business when a result has occurred. But I think there's this other one that exists when people are looking to make a big transition in business or a jump. Right, and I'll give you some examples to set context. For a lot of people, they never back themselves to leave their job and start a business. Mm. Now, this was a big one for me. It actually took me almost 12 months to transition from being a plumber into having my own business full time. Um, the next one is, is let's say someone's already got a business and they want to change what that business does in a big way. So they want to go from being a marketing agency to a, a BPO or starting a media company again, uh, just the ones I look at here. And I know you've changed from like software and, and a whole bunch of things as well. But the point I want to unpack in this one is that not backing yourself when obligations are involved and when there is like downside. So can we go there? Let's go there. Let's do it. I get so much on this. Let's do it. All right. Okay. So w- one of the things I find really fascinating within myself is that whenever we've got things going on in our lives, and I'm going to call them like obligations, it really changes our ability to like confidently move towards something. All right, so to give you an example, at the point uh, of when I was being a plumber and I wanted to move into having a business, right, I used to continually have this fear that I didn't have enough money to make that jump. Like money was the constraint. Like if I just had a million dollars in a bank account, that would create the confidence to go from being a plumber into a business. Right? But the reality is, let's just think about this. If the business is successful, why do I need the million dollars? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's not like I'm saying I want to uh, go from plumbing to doing nothing, which in turn is like the million dollars in a bank account will be justified. It's like, oh, that's how you're going to feed yourself. 
Yeah, but the idea is is that I had built up this, you know, I really need this security to be able to make that jump. I'm not going to back myself to be successful in business. Right? So yeah. a huge fear of it failing. And then the other side of that was, you know, oh, you know, like I've got a mortgage, I've got a partner, you know, I've got to look, I've got to be able to put on food on the table for Bianca in this example, right? So we can see that all these obligations, I'm creating a reason not to back myself. Yeah. And this could be, again, exactly the same situation. Like maybe someone's got a business today and actually want a, bi- a different kind of business. What ends up happening is this like second business syndrome where they try to make these like, lent- they either make no jump or take these really lengthy transitions where they end up running like two businesses and ultimately running two businesses really poorly, right? Which leads to the detriment of those things as well. So when we don't back ourselves properly or uh, do it in the right way, I think we basically ensure it doesn't work. We ensure we don't get the results and like almost justify not taking the actions to achieve that thing. So it's a really powerful idea. It's like, being, it's like being able to come back to an idea and say, see, I did, I knew it wasn't going to work and that's why it didn't work um, as opposed to looking for all of the reasons why it could work. <clears throat> and I think it's the, the two businesses is such an interesting approach because when you start to unpack it, it is nothing more than a, a self-prophesizing story. Like you are just trying to give yourself a narrative to suggest why everything else is not successful. It's like, well, they're both not successful because I'm like, I'm doing two things at once. Now I've had multiple successful businesses at the same time, Charlie. There ain't enough hours in a bloody day <laughs> to deal with all of the problems that come with it, which means that there has to be another reason as to why people aren't going for it. And yeah, I, I've i got two. Do you think it's just a big fear of failing thing? Do you think that's ultimately why people don't back themselves is that it all comes down to they just fear they're going to fail at it? I think if you went one other level, I feel as though there's there's a level of failure, but there's also a confidence in being able to bounce back, right? So it, there's one idea of going, cool, I'm happy to do a quick transition and rip the Band-Aid off and just change straight to the second business. So imagine the first business was rubbish. Let's rip the Band-Aid, close it all, get rid of the clients, move to the second business and make that work. I think that's one part, but then the second part is, well, what happens if it doesn't work? How what What, was, what is plan B or C going to be? And because they're not backing themselves on plan A, they've never thought about B or C, which means they need to have two in both camps, which is like, how do I, if plan A doesn't work, I'm going to go back to the original business as opposed to, well, if I'm just all in on plan B, which is new business, and that doesn't work, this is what I can do elsewhere. Or I just have so much confidence in my ability that I'll just be able to figure it out. And I think that that's where people come in is not, yeah, just not being able to understand what happens if it doesn't work out. Like, if my business fails, how am I going to feed the kids, Charlie? What am I going to do? And that's the, the, the lack of answer to that is where the problem is. It's huge. Absolutely huge. I'll throw, again, this obligation word into it is like money constraint. I've noticed again, and I know we've done a previous episode on like money psychology, but when you throw uh, money into the decision of making a really big change in your life, it noticeably throws fear into things for a lot of people. It really does. I've seen money really wreck a lot of good businesses and a lot of good opportunities in itself. Like it's this hidden force that isn't that hidden that seems to cripple people when it comes to backing themselves. Is it because from what you've seen, is it because people have not had the ability to generate wealth before or they just don't think that they have the, you know, when we've spoken about psychology of money, it's like, the scarcity mindset of money versus the abundance mindset of money. And it's like, well, money is just always there. I have the ability to make it. Or I have the ability to spend it. Is it that just people haven't been on the abundance side of money before, which means that they sit there and have that, I know that limiting belief where they don't think that they can create it because they've never had it, where if they've had it, then they go, well, I can, I can always go and get it again, <laughs> right? Where it's like until they've had that, oh, money is abundant and I know I can get it. Yeah, no worries at all. I'll take these swings and bouts easy because I know I can go get it. Where the people who haven't can't? Like, is that what you've kind of seen? Well, yes, in summary, but I want to go further than that. What I find really interesting around that is that for myself is that, like I had some childhood experiences with money that led me to be have quite a scarcity mindset with money. All right, so for myself, having that experience, I kind of can understand how it shows up in business for me today. 
But for anyone that didn't have that type of experience, it's led to a curiosity of why, right? So if your parents didn't go through tough financial times and had a bankruptcy, let's say you had a relatively normal uh, upbringing and money was okay in your household, well, then where's it coming from from everyone else? And my conclusion has been is that because business is so difficult, what tends to happen is when people start a business for the first few years, they don't make a lot of money and money is scarce. And there is the concern about, well, how am I going to pay the bills this next month? So what happens over a couple of years is they actually wire in a scarcity towards money. And, they, and then eventually they break through, they finally make some money, and then when it comes up to this time when it's like, all right, I want to make a change, their wiring at a subconscious level has them going back to, well, what if it's like that again for those next few years? So I'm not sure like I'm... Yeah, they, they feel like it has to be like that. It's not like what if it is like that. It's like in their mind it, it is going to be that. Like history repeats. Like it, I'm just going to have to go through that again as opposed to a completely different a- approach where you don't. Exactly. And to go even further, their obligations are probably higher at this point. And I say probably, it's not universally true, but it's like maybe they've got a kid now or maybe they've got a bigger mortgage now or maybe they've got some investment properties uh, now or something like that where they're going like, well, going through that time again with this increased obligation is like, I just can't do it. Like money becomes the constraint and they use all these other things as an excuse not to have the business they want or make the transitions they want in the businesses they have. It is one of those things that I've found very difficult to see in yourself at the time of you doing it. Like it's very, it's a very mature person to sit there, Charlie, and say, I know I need to do this hard pivot, but I know that I'm the one not backing myself and all I need to do is back myself to do it. In your, in your view, like has many people been able just to be that self-aware and say, hey, Charlie. I feel like I'm not backing myself. I just need to do this transition faster because I know in my experience and the business owners I've talked to, not one of them has said that. (laughs) It's almost like they had to be called out on it to say like, what are you actually doing here when you just need to back yourself and go and do the thing as opposed to try and be half pregnant on these two different things. All right, so let's go deeper in that. So let's use your SEO example, um, which I love that story, by the way, Um, just so relatable to myself. Well, I felt like I didn't have to like actually share my own no, experience. I, I could just lean into yours. I hope no one noticed. Um, anyway, can you see that if you had to start an SEO business today, how much easier it would be for you now with the business skills you have than totally. previously? Unfair advantage. Yes. Would you back yourself in the same way? To would you back yourself much heavier to be successful in that today? I know that I could. I could be very successful in an SEO business today. Yeah, completely. So this is where we have to look at where it's like if we've gotten deeper into the journey of business, making transitions and making moves is actually easier because you've acquired skills, knowledge, network, ability to make those types of moves, right? So the first thing we have to like really break down is like logically we can see that, but emotionally we may not feel that. The fear of what came up previously may be there. Now you brought up a really interesting like second point of this around like the conscious and unconscious things that come when you don't back yourself. So when you went to a sales meeting and like you butchered it, did you notice you butchered it? Upon after after it, yes. And I'm like, and then I just, but I didn't know why. I'm like, I just thought I had an off day. I hadn't had enough caffeine or I had too much caffeine. I didn't sleep well or there was all these other reasons in my head as to why I butchered it. But I walked out going, yeah, that guy's not going to buy because I butchered it, which obviously that's a a tell unto itself. But then upon reflection, I knew why, as opposed to it being like these little sort of tactical things around not caffeinated enough or not prepared enough, et cetera. Yeah, so that's where the challenge exists is if you're not aware of the like or conscious and unconscious, right, you're going to see things in your life when you're not backing yourself, but a lot of them are going to be unconscious. Mm. Like you're going to go into that meeting and have that. It's only after you have that meeting that you've got to see those signs. So I think for anyone to first make a change, which this just applies to anything, is the awareness piece has to come into it, right? So if you're looking at this going, oh, I can't do that because I've got a family, like eventually there's going to be some sort of buildup that comes to these things. So everyone will go from this. I I guess it's like a journey, right? It might start out a bit unconscious, but you're going to become more conscious of it as you like butcher sales meeting after sales meeting. 
Yeah. Or as you keep saying, oh, I can't do this because it's, you know, I need to put food on the table or, you know, I've got to look after my family. Yeah, I can't rip that Band-Aid. <clears throat> I found one of the things that I saw uh, from a like an evident example, like a, an actual conscious example, was after I, I absolutely <laughs> horrifically destroyed that sales session, uh, after that I found myself not actually doing any more sales meetings and not actually like marketing the business or talking about it. And so like if you, I'm sure if I went back and looked at my calendar all those years ago, like my priority was like solve the product, work with the team or like other things as opposed to how we're going to get more clients, how we're going to increase revenue, et cetera. And upon reflection, it would have been an obvious, well, you're not prioritizing the things that are most important to the business, which means that you're not backing yourself for the growth of this business, which means like why, which obviously is what we just spoke about. So I feel as though you could see through whatever you're procrastinating on or not prioritizing, even though like you know that you should be prioritizing, it, it'll almost call itself out. It's almost like if someone just, if one other person was just there and they go, Grant, why are you not trying to sell more? And I'd have no reason why. <laughs> like, it's not like I've got to say to someone, I don't think we can deliver the service that well. So I'm just not trying to sell to anybody. So I don't disappoint people. Like, <laughs> like it's like that. That just being like someone calling it out is the best thing. And so if you're looking at your to-do list at number one, is just being number one for four weeks. <laughs> it's probably an insight that you're not backing yourself. <laughs> I want to almost jump to the next step in this because I agree. I think we've done a reasonable job on this episode of like identifying ways where people won't back themselves and set some examples. And this will come out in a variety of things, right? But the next part is how do you start backing yourself, Grant. If you're someone that's looking to create some confidence in what you're doing and really get behind your ideas and making transitions or starting that business or changing that business or whatever it is, where do you go? Because it's not like we're immune to this. Like it still pops up for me today. Even, do you know what really pops up for me today? Investing. <laughs> right, it really does yeah. because like some of the moves I'm looking to make today are much bigger than the ones I've done in the past. I'm looking at the ideas of taking on like millions in debt and it's like why not? I see an investment, there's an extra zero on it. I know it's a good investment based on the other things I've done but that extra zero, I'm not backing myself, Grant. Mm. Even, even to that point to myself, like I'm looking at acquiring quite a few properties this year and like everything in the news is saying not to <laughs> and I'm sitting here acquiring properties going and I'm just sitting there going, why am I saying yes when every investor that I appreciate is like, maybe don't? <laughs> so like, let's go there. How did, how did you cultivate it? How did you enable backing yourself? That's a particularly good one because we would only have to flick on the news right now and I'm sure someone would be at or YouTube or whatever it is. Yep. There'd be someone out there basically saying this is a bad idea. Yet you're still backing yourself. There's 90% of them out there saying it's a bad idea. Um, yeah. So to use that, to use those examples, the best way is for me to look back at when I've been most successful. So you, to use the SEO example, you referenced the point. It's like, well, how many other clients are successful slash have been successful based on what I've been doing? And it was a higher percentage than 50 which means, well, okay, you're actually pretty good at the thing that you're trying to sell, which means that you're not an imposter. You're actually good at it. From an investing side of, uh, side of you, um, I bring that down to my knowledge of how I invest, my interpretation of the environment, and that I know I cannot outsource accountability on it, where if I just try and do what everyone else in the market does, I'm going to get average returns and I'm not trying to do what everybody else, else does, which means there's only one other thing that I can do, which is back myself. It's either follow the crowd or back yourself. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to follow the crowd, which means that the better outcome for me was backing myself because I've got no other choice. And so it's interestingly enough, like I have put so much pressure on myself to not follow a crowd or if I ever see myself following consensus, second question, why? And so business and investing is slightly different on that way where I've actually built it into my being to dive on a hand grenade in business of like, why are you avoiding sales? Jump on that hand grenade and figure it out. In investing, it's like, well, why aren't you investing? Jump on a hand grenade, figure it out and actually try and understand. And so it's been this ability to look for the things when I'm like uh, deprioritizing what should I should be prioritizing or even holding back on doing the things that I know I need to do. So investing, for example, just not investing for a period of time. So why? 
I do find it fascinating that in the perspective, you and I have been doing business for, wow, geez, over 10 years now, I would think. Way, way too long. It's much easier to back yourself in an area where you have extensive experience. That experience creates confidence where you will back moves more heavily. When we've both gone into investing, which we haven't been in as long as we have been in business, and there's big amounts of money involved and debt, it's funny that that backing yourself in that arena can be quite different. And I think it highlights some really important things here, and I'd love to go through them if we can. I think it's a cool idea. So number one, I think one of the best ways you can actually back yourself is improving your knowledge in an area because it creates more certainty. So one of the things I've actually noticed in you that I don't know if you've noticed in yourself, you went to a property event last week. You've been reading more property books, I've noticed, because a lot of our conversations have been flowing around on that. I've really watched you in this time when you've been doing your accumulator create certainty by leaning on knowledge and resources so that you can feel more confident in backing this idea of doing the accumulator here. Totally. Second one is I notice your conversations with myself and then even in some of our dealings with like Goose or Aaron or other people we're in is like you're leaning in on other people that uh, have that experience to create more certainty for yourself as well. So I think like two really like pillar points when you are looking to make a move is that if you can increase your knowledge in an area or lean into people that have results in an area, creating more certainty reduces the risk in a move and then enables confidence so you can back yourself more heavily. And hopefully I have explained that reasonably well. And concur. Because though if you apply those two points back across the SEO company to use that as an example, uh, first one is well, I was trying to solve the uh, immediate problem or challenge that I had for a client because it was showing up everywhere else. And obviously, I, mentally, I thought I couldn't solve it. I'm sure I could have, which means that that was the first thing I was doing was trying to figure out how to solve it. But if I couldn't, I'd just move into your step number two, which is, well, surround yourself. Like find the other people that have already had the problem <laughs> and get them to help you solve the problem. Well, I do wonder if we went back in time and let's say instead of starting e-commerce stores in your example, you actually joined an SEO mastermind, got an SEO mentor, started reading more on SEO and solved that problem or got perspective to solve that problem, would it have changed the direction? Maybe you would have backed yourself on building a bigger SEO company rather than uh, gone into the direction of e-commerce. And I do one of the same thing about ads myself. Yeah. It was so funny at the time. I I know why it didn't. It was because I was known as the SEO guy. (laughs) And so I didn't want other people to think that I didn't know how to do SEO by like saying, hey, I can't solve this thing. So I'm like, I was always the guy with the answers. And so again, that was just another example of me not backing myself, by the way. (laughs) But again, like that was me just shying away from the things that I needed to do instead of backing myself. Could could have changed it in a huge way. Fundamentally, it could have changed. Do you know the other one I find really interesting here is that, and again, I'm just the observer of Grant in this episode, which I quite like. This is not what we prepared, but sure, we're going with it. I like it. <laughs> is this because I well, talked talk bad about your eye? Yeah, I'm coming back for you. How's this taste? <laughs> you enjoying this? great. Dude, I, I appreciate it. I think it's fantastic. All right, come on, give it to me. Well, you've actually reduced risk in another way by adjusting buffers. So we've had numerous conversations across this year and, again, about like making sure that if you are going to do this accumulator run in a time that is perceivably more uncertain is that you want to make sure you have the cash buffers and deposits so you're not taking on excessive risk in backing yourself in this play. So, again, to bring the third one into it, and we can bring this back to a business idea, let's say you've got a business that is operating well today and you actually want to be in a different business. Maybe you want to go from running an SEO business to being an SEO coach, right? You want to go into education or maybe you've got a physical store and you want to go into doing an online store, whatever the example is. If you've got a functioning business today, there is the, and there is profit in that business. I will have to uh, describe or uh, prescribe here. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Um, Then you do have the ability to build a cash buffer to actually make that transition easier to make it lighter on you. So, again, that would just be, and you know, layering these up, if you got uh, a mentor, found a peer group, did some courses and built a good cash buffer across many transitions, it does become much easier to back yourself because totally. the risk of failure has been reduced in such a significant way. It really has. 
you know, one of the ways that I loved about like forcing myself into backing myself because I, I, I like that risk reversal of like making sure you've got cash in a bank account so that if it doesn't come off, you've still got play. Like, so it's like, cool, if I take a swing at this bat and I miss, that's all right. I can land back on three, six, nine, 12 months worth of living expenses or business operating expenses. And I know I can solve any problem within that period of time. I think it's, it is an underutilized ability that most people have. And even if you're an employee going to a business, you can go and do the exact same thing. Just go and <laughs> save some money from Wait. your payroll. I do have to tell you my funny story that I knew you're going to bring it up. I actually saved 50 grand as a plumber before I jumped into my own business. And do you know what I did my first year in business? Spent that 50 grand? Lost the 50 grand. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, it was funny. I was going to bring up, uh, so one of the ways that I would back myself as like a fourth point Dude, I would force myself into solving the problems. So in other businesses, what I would do is I would actually sell the thing in order to force myself to figure it out. So I would just continue selling and it's just like, well, now you've got no choice but to figure it out. It's like it just solves all money problems and money mindset. It's like, well, you, you know you can go and make the money. Now you've got to figure out how to sell, the, like how to deliver what you've sold. And I did this when I was an employee as well. Dude, I went and gave a six-month resignation letter. And so I had six months to figure out how I was going to run my business before I had like zero income coming in. And talk about forcing yourself into backing yourself <laughs> when you've given a guy a resignation letter. I was going to say, I, I actually love this. This is a – so you've resigned from a company with six months' notice, which first off, who does that? But anyone but no Grant Muriel, no one. The guy thought <laughs> – the guy thought I was joking. It was January and the resignation date was like middle of June because I was I had flights booked to go to Europe for like three months. <laughs> and it was just, I'm like, dude, I'm not coming back. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, this is my resignation. I know I'm leaving. Uh, you got six months to find a replacement. I can do whatever you want me to do for six months of life, but this is it. What do they say? Necessity is the mother of creation. And that's the thing. I think not enough people do that. And so especially people like me, like I'm a, I'm a very product-heavy, technical type of guy. And so I will naturally go back into my habitat, which is overcomplicate the delivery method or overcomplicate the product and stuff because it's where I feel safest. It's where I know I can do the thing. So inadvertently, go and force the sales and then force me to figure out how to deliver it. So if, if for example, someone's like you, Charlie, who's a heavy sales guy, marketing guy, it's like, great. Well, how am I going to get you into product and delivery? <laughs> it's by putting pressure on you to get into product and delivery. If, you, if you're a solo business owner in that example, like how do you almost hold yourself accountable to force yourself into it so that you have to figure it out? It's like, well, I've got no other choice now. And you know, uh, Van Gogh, the artist, right, used to give away all his stuff all the time um, because he noticed when he was too comfortable, he wouldn't paint as well. Like when he was too wealthy, his art wasn't as good. But when he needed to create something for his survival, that he would do it. And I think I a think lot of so. people can relate to this when it comes to the idea of like, you know, school projects. They wouldn't do it till the night before and it was the pressure of the day that forced them into it. And you kind of have done this in a way where you're forcing yourself to back yourself here, which I think is an interesting concept. Because, I mean, the... The idea could be made that if you're comfortable in business, not I'm not going to say you're where you want to be and maybe you're even slightly discomfortable with what you're earning or whatever it is, but if you were ex extreme discomfort and your life depended on it, you would back yourself. There's just not enough pain there. There's not enough reason and force to take action. So um, it's interesting. I'll tell one story here and I'll probably tell two. When I got Bianca pregnant, nothing and I mean nothing has lit a fire under me to earn more and uh, invest than that. Yeah. It was like as soon as I knew there was another uh, life on the way with a nine-month deadline, which he came a little bit early as well. Cheers, Jack. Just a little <laughs> bit more pressure. Um, the point being is, is that constraint really forced it to need that motivated action in a really big way. Like I, I backed myself to take moves that I probably wouldn't have because of the environment change. So I think environment change can be a really powerful one here. And I just want to do a quick shout out because um, uh, one of my mentors, Jamin Fraser, has been working with me on this quite a bit as well, which I'm a big fan of Jamin's work. If you do get a chance to read his books, Amazing. yeah, I highly encourage. But um, he talks about this idea of like stacking the pain. So he's like, if you're looking to make significant changes in your life 
often uh, what can be very, very helpful is where you make where you're at now more uncomfortable. Mm. And I'm going to tie this in because that's essentially what you've done with this six-month resignation. Like every day that passes, you're becoming more and more uncomfortable that you're, you're, I'm leaving here and I need something to go into. Completely. That that security was, blanket's gone. That was – and to take that a little bit further, um, actually I'm going to piggyback off both of your stories. So your very first story, and it's, it's going to sound bad only because I've had the conversation with two other people where they didn't – they weren't planning on starting their family until the business was successful. So they didn't. So they didn't want to be a parent uh, in both of these cases. Just, just to be fair, that was actually parts. me. That's why totally. I started my business so young because I was like I, the idea of starting a business with the obligations of children. I just found very challenging. I know many people do it, but I was like, if I'm going to fail, I want to fail before kids. And that's the challenge. Is like, and I, I know people well into their forties that are still waiting for the business to be successful until they have family. And it, it's it's hard because it's like, well. Really? When actually the thing is that maybe if a baby was on the way, they might actually learn how to reprioritize and, and do the right things, potentially. I can hear you asking the question. Yes, I wish I got Bianca pregnant at 20. <laughs> Greatest hack ever. <laughs> Forced into it. I, I, it puts you into another level, right? It really does. Like totally. suddenly it's like, oh, you want to do a sales call at 3 a.m.? I'll be there. Yeah, I'm, I'm done. I'll be like, no yeah. sleep. And then the, your point around like just creating the pain and so there's so many people in a business at the moment that that I'm even aware of that I talk to where the business kind of makes a decent salary, we'll call it, which means that the pain of the Wait, business- Wait, do you mean enough to cover your bills but never fulfill your dreams? Correct. And, and okay, if cool. you actually extrapolated this out for a couple of decades, probably not enough to retire on. Calling a spade a spade on that one. But the, the challenge for them is that they haven't acknowledged that the outcome of success, like them actually being more successful and ripping the Band-Aid off and moving to a different business or changing the way they're doing something or being more aggressive with sales, actually outweighs the avoidance of pain of doing the thing. Like that, you actually doing that is a bigger reason than, oh, maybe someone's going to say no or maybe I'm not going to be able to deliver a service or maybe this thing. So it's like they just haven't connected it in their mind. They're like too worried about, well, what if I can't deliver the service, Charlie? Or what if someone's upset at me is a bigger pain than not being able to retire when they're 50 or 60, right? And that's where they're at in their mind at that stage. And I'm like, no, 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 wait. <laughs> wait, have you actually thought about how painful this is if you can't retire because you're worried about not saying to, I don't know, someone that, hey, you need to buy my service or maybe you're not trying to jump on a sales call or something like that. Like you need to back yourself now in order to get the outcome that you're really trying to go for, which just expands on your second point. Once upon a time, uh, when I was earlier on in business, I was definitely that first person, right? It was definitely like a lot of fear and uncertainty, but more and more these days, do you know what actually is one of my biggest fears? Inadequacy. That I'll never meet your high standards, Grant. No, I'm just shooting you. <laughs> no way. I, and I've said this to Bianca many times. I go, I actually fear I'll get to 80 and look back on my life and go, regret, you didn't swing hard enough. Look at all the opportunities that were around you, all the different businesses you could have had, all the properties you could have bought, all the uh, experiences you could have had with your family and you rather played it safe because you were scared you might fail at something. Talk about, talk about pain. Talk about pain. Yeah. Because I've, I've met many people that have got to that stage of life and they have regrets. Like their retirement yeah. isn't what it is. They haven't collected the memories they wanted. They didn't have the experiences they wanted. And they've gotten to this point now where they can't do them because of their age. You know, very die with zero concept, I will say. Mm. But it had impacted me before the book uh, had been read. It's like, this is your life. Why would you want to spend it not having the things you want or going for the businesses you would want? Like backing yourself is a requirement. It's not optional. I think that's, that is the difference between the people that I know that are ultra successful versus the ones that aren't. They, they hold themselves accountable to deliver the things or make the sales or do whatever they need to do to be successful, but then they back themselves under the decisions they make. It's like live by the sword, die by the sword. 
If I've made a wrong decision, that's fine. I'll fix it. But it's the right decision with the information that I have right now. Let's go and let's not look back. And those are the people that, man, they, they're the ones that, it's funny, they're the ones that fail the most, but iterate the quickest. And they just go again. Like, well, that was a bad decision. That's fine. Let's just go again. Do you know what? I'm going to go there as well. One of the noticeable things with people that back themselves really well versus people that don't is the people that back themselves have a belief that, oh, even if this fails, well, I'll just do the next thing. Where the people (laughs) that don't feel like whatever they're going to do or back themselves on, it just leads to basically the end of their life. It's death. As if they've got no other choices. It's like if I swing this bat, Charlie, and I miss the ball, that's it, I'm done. I've got no other bat, no other ball to play with. Like this is, I'm going home. I tail between the legs. I'm, I'm done. And I'm like, I'll give what? you an example. No, you it's it's like the idea of like picking a holiday, right? And it's like you're backing yourself on picking a holiday. Where some people are like, oh, we'll go here, and do you know what? If it's no yeah. good, we'll go somewhere else next time. That's cool. Completely. Where the other person is like in this indecisive thing, got like you know 800 tabs open on it, going, oh, which place have we got to pick? This has got to be perfect. And they just never back themselves yeah. to pick a place. Yeah. I'll put it out there. That's me with cafes. <laughs> I go to the <laughs> same cafe repetitively and I'm just like. Oh, Would you oh, back oh, yourself yeah. to get a coffee from somewhere else, please, Grant? No, because every time I've done it, it's been shit. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> see, this is why I don't go to different cafes. <laughs> This is why I just do this thing repetitively. But that is a very silly example. Don't do that. (laughs) But hang on, wait. No, uh, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to take this a little bit further. Imagine that was a business that's making a good amount of money that makes me very happy that I get to live the life that I live. Maybe I don't want to go somewhere else to try out another cafe. Maybe I didn't need to try another business, Charlie. Yeah, but if if you have achieved what you're going out in life to achieve and have the things – to, that you desire in your life, completely for you, to your circumstances, why is there a reason to change anything then? Exactly. Say that to Hazel about my cafe. No, I still think you should try somewhere else for coffee. I'm not letting you <laughs> off on that. Man, what a deep episode. Appreciate you just rubbing salt into those SEO words. I feel like we're growing together on this podcast and you are very welcome. I hope you enjoyed that roundabout fly kick for mentioning my eye. (laughs) It's the last time I call something out. Ah, Should we wrap it up, Charlie? Let's do it. All right. Now, if you're sitting here going, Charlie, I need more information. I need more insights about what happened to your eye. I got it. Head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter. And if we get enough subscribers replying to Charlie's emails going, Charlie, tell me about your eye, tell me about your eye, tell me about your eye. I'm going to bring him on the podcast. He's going to explain exactly what happened and how he's going about fixing it. So head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter, put in your name and email. And just remember, spam Charlie, spam Charlie, spam Charlie. Thank you. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Business and Investing.